Hey, what's going on, everybody? Howie Spangler. It is uh, Tales from the Green Room, episode number 107. And we are living in some crazy times right now. It is uh, something that I don't think any of us have had to do this before. Uh, I know I haven't. I mean, we've had outbreaks in the past. Um, things shutting down, the events being canceled, just nationwide, worldwide. Uh what a crazy thing. I mean, it's, it's in everything we're looking at. And unfortunately, what I'm talking about on the podcast. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> part of doing this is to keep everybody, you know, get everybody's minds off of that for a little bit. But something this big, it, you just can't help it, you know. Um, I kind of went off on a little tangent on this one with my buddy. I got my buddy James Donato from, uh, from uh, Callisto. Uh, that little side project I've got going on. Um, we talked about that and kind of talked about the whole, just everything that's happening right now. And, you know, I got a little heated. Uh, you know, I just think that, I think people just need to comply for a bit and uh, let's get through this, you know, as fast as we can. Um, in other news, uh, live streams are happening all the time. I'm, I'm doing Facebook and YouTube and Instagram. Uh, just kind of jumping in on that stuff whenever I have a few minutes. The live stream last week was incredible. Thanks to everybody that tuned in for that. And um, the uh, donations were were, were great. Um, very, very kind. And it's just really nice to see the support and the love out there for the arts, you know. And um, like I said before, like, we're just trying to make cool shit for people to, you know, unwind and, you know, try to get away from this stuff as much as possible. And that night was, it was three hours of just, um, entertainment, fun, hanging out. Let's hang out. And I'm so glad I started that series on my YouTube channel. Just, I don't know, just, just really great. What I did find out was, uh, Google takes 30% of super chat. And I had a lot of people super chatting the other night and it was like, generous it was amazing i couldn't believe it once one person started everybody else started um and it, i think it's a very cool uh feature you know it supports the channel supports everything i'm doing but holy shit google took um almost 300 dollars from me for that um yeah crazy man so if you are gonna donate uh you know i don't like to ask for money but the times being what they are uh, I'll go ahead and put my donation stuff out there like, like everybody else. But, um, you know, if you do want to support the channel or you want to support the podcast or just me as an artist, as a creator, um, I prefer the, you know, Venmo or Cash App. Um, my Venmo is just Howie Spangler. And uh, the Cash App is just the, the cash tag. It's just the, the dollar sign and then Howie Spangler. Uh, also, Facebook Messenger. If we're friends on Facebook, you can send me a, a, a donation for there as well. Just learned about that. Very cool and convenient. Um, but yeah, couldn't believe it. They took almost 300 bucks from me out of that. It was kind of fucked up. Like, just just wild. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so uh, yeah, Ballyhoo's doing a live stream on Thursday. We're basically just trying to... We wanted to put on a rad show for everybody. Um, something fun and just like maybe play some songs we don't normally play and uh, please send requests hit me in the DM Howie Spangler on Instagram 
or Facebook and uh, let me know what, what you'd like us to play. We'll try to get to it if we can. Um, some of the stuff we haven't played in a while can get tricky, but we'll, we'll do the best we can to try to make it happen. Um, it's just going to be a fun night. We're going to have a great time uh, and um, hoping to make a little bit of money to just to kind of sustain through this. Um, but for the most part, it's just we just want to put on a fun show. So tune in 8 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday night, uh, March 26th, this Thursday, uh, on Facebook. You'll you'll see it. It'll be probably going live from the from the band's page. So um all right, but I hope everybody's doing great out there. I hope you're uh staying healthy and doing everything you can to not not get this thing. Um, all right, cool. Let's get into it, man. I'm talking to James Denano from Callisto. Uh, he's also, he also has a uh, like the top DJ wedding DJ service production service uh, up in the like the the mass, like Boston area, the Northeast. Kills it up there, man. Him and his wife um, and his whole team. So uh, it was great to talk to him. He's a good friend of mine. Here we go. Tales from the Green Room. Let's do it. There he is. What's up, dude? Ah, what's going on? Not too much. Just uh, staying busy with all this craziness, getting used to being cooped in the house with the, the dogs and the baby and everything. How are you doing? It's an adjustment. For sure. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, we're um, I'm in the house a lot when I'm home anyway from tour. But uh, yeah, it's definitely weird. Like the kids, you know, want to go outside and stuff and. We're trying to let them go outside, but then the other neighborhood kids want to play, and you feel kind of like, okay, do I let them play together? Do I not let them play together? Do I look like a tyrant? You know, like, am I trying to keep my family safe? Like, it's a weird thing. I don't know. It's so weird, dude. Like, I also think about, I mean, luckily, you know, Caden's only three months, but, you know, like, you don't want to, you want your kids to be cautious, but you don't want them to, you know, freak out and think like the world's ending or something, you know what I mean? So I'm sure that you're kind of thinking of that too, like teach them, but don't have them uh, overly paranoid or anything. I try to be straight up with them. I'm like, uh, you know, like, look kids, one day the earth is going to explode. The sun is going <laughs> to eat it alive and we'll all be incinerated. <laughs> we don't know exactly what this is. Could it be some alien life form? Don't put, don't question that out yet. We know? aren't sure. We aren't sure. No <laughs> one has answers. But what I do know is the sun will explode and anything on earth will die. Uh, <laughs> but just concentrate on going to college and. <laughs> <laughs> Focus on going to college and know that right after that, it's very likely that you could die. Yeah. Every day you're here is one day closer to the end. Listen, I'm going to level with you. I'm going to be very surprised if we're still alive in 20 years. I'm just telling you that now. (laughs) I just want to be straight up. (laughs) We took a dark turn right off the bat here, Howie. Yeah, I mean, if you set the bar low, you know, you can't be disappointed. That's it. And when when things go great and and the, the earth and the sun don't explode or eat each other, then that's a win, you know? That's where it's at, dude. I mean, you set the bar low with uh, this podcast anyway, because people are like, oh, Nick from 311 and 
dirty heads and oh Rome from sublime and who the fuck is James Donano you know it's like <laughs> it's like when, <laughs> those Joe Rogan episodes where you're like he'll, he'll have all these awesome people on and then it's like this dude that Joe Rogan probably smoked weed with three times and then they did jujitsu once but <laughs> yeah. you know <laughs> yeah but um the uh, the Joe Rogan effect uh yeah the, the, the Howie Spangler effect isn't quite the uh, the Joe Rogan effect. I'm working. I'm working to get there. I, whoever I bring on, hopefully, people will get to know who they are. <laughs> people know who you are now, though. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm seriously honored to do this, dude. Because of the podcasts that I listen to, is probably four or five of them that I listen to all the time, and uh, I always listen to yours. You you nail it, and uh, it's always really interesting. I mean, aside from being a friend, like. If I didn't know you, it would still be just as interesting. So you, you crush it. Oh, thanks, man. For those of you just tuning in, uh, I have James Donato on with me. He's a, he's a guy I smoked weed with once. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. We, we just talked once for an hour, hung out, and uh, talked about some conspiracy theories. And <laughs> I, bought, and, I bought some weed off him at a 7-Eleven and uh, brought him on the show. <clears throat> That's it. Um, That's it right there. No, so uh all right, so you um you know the the Callisto thing is is like your brainchild like with your brother Rob. Um and uh I know you had Bruce Campbell in on it. You know, kind of in the beginning. What, like and then you t- let's tell the story about how this went down. I was supposed to come produce Callisto's record. And the day before, I was supposed to drive up to your place um, in New Hampshire. You called me and said, "Hey, man, we just fired our singer, um, and so you're gonna have to sing now and be a songwriter." That, and I was just like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and I, I've always said that I'm like when when someone when an artist hires me as a producer or whatever, like I am whatever they need me to be, you know, or at least I try to be whatever they need me to be producer, songwriter, uh, you know, singer, but I can play on some stuff, you know, whatever, like mixing, editing, whatever. I try to, I try to be full service, but this was like basically me starting another project, another band. So where, how did this all come about? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I guess I'll start by, um, saying so over the, the summer leading up to it, the singer that I was working with, I, we're actually still pretty friendly. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say um, fired, but it, it did come down to a thing where we didn't realize until last minute that when I think that some people maybe get intimidated when someone like you that's that's doing the thing and has had some level of success with it, um, you know, maybe they start to think um, further into the future and um, and maybe don't think about things that should be thought of um, until that time. So, you know, I think there was just a disconnect because the whole time me and, and Rob and uh, we were kind of just like, you know, let's, let's get this thing together. And, and we kind of have this mentality from, uh, the years before playing in Silhouette Rising and um, I played in the band Life Electric and High School Skinny. So I've, I've been doing this for a minute, you know, grinding and 
um, with the different personalities, my approach has, had always been one. I kind of just thought keep it an equal playing field where if if money actually becomes a thing where it's going to come in, which that's funny enough uh, to begin with. But uh, if you know much about the, the music industry, you don't get into it um, for making a, a huge profit. It's for the music. Um, and, and the goal I think anyone should have is just to sustain and love what they do. But, um, you know, so I think that that wasn't made clear. And then when it got really close, um, the pressure kind of built and all these things were sort of exposed. And um, we, we had differing opinions on, you know, I wanted everyone to be an equal member if things were to, you know, somehow take off. And um, I think that caused the, the separation. So then we were left there surprised, like a day, two days before you came up. And I called you and I was like, you know, what's what should we do? And you had been in agreement that like, you know, we don't want to be focusing on any sort of like contractual things or lawyer involved things when we're just trying to make some great music. So you being the, the awesome dude that you are, we're like, you know, let's just, uh, let's, let's see what comes of it, you know? And, and that's kind of where I was at. And, um, <laughs> then we got you to start doing some vocals and, uh, again, you being the awesome dude that you are, we're, you know, threw down some stuff. And I, I think that we got super lucky, though, with how cool the tracks ended up being and how quickly things came together. I mean, lots of talented people uh, at, at my house in the room because, you know, you got Dan, who's ridiculous with just coming up with beats and um just these cool cool ideas and then rob um has this really cool voice just great sense of melody and you're like i feel like you can spit out hits in your sleep so you know get all of us in a room and uh, and good things came to be and um you know even joe and dylan like from the producer's standpoint were they're always great with ideas so um it was so much fun man i, I had a blast doing that it was a good time. It was. And I need to apologize because I think earlier I referred to Dan as Bruce Campbell, the actor. I don't know why I did that. I called him Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know, we had uh, it was you and your brother and Bruce Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're making a uh, Evil Dead. How many did they do? Well, they did one, two, Army of Darkness. Yeah, we have the new Evil Dead coming out. We have the uh, we did the soundtrack the copy of it right now. Yeah, we did the soundtrack, <laughs> all Callisto. Yeah, that's um. amazing. Um, yeah, I think what I was back to what you were saying about uh, how everything went with um, it was with uh, your pre- previous singer. <clears throat> he was getting worried about like the splits and like uh, me owning the music or something, and because of, it was on my hard drive or whatever, and. Um, I remember thinking like, you know, that, that I'm not sure exactly how true that is, to be honest, I should probably look that up. I mean, I've heard that if you, as long as you have the, you have the, the master, which is now a hard drive, um, it is, it's your work, but I, I would never like, that's just crazy to me. I don't think, I don't know anybody that would do that. Like you're, you're paying me, you're hiring me for a service. I'm coming in there to be producer and, and make, you know, just kind of organize and orchestrate, you know, and let you guys do your thing. 
I'm just there to help and make it sound good or as good as I can. And uh, I would never think to, you know, own the songs or something uh, if I wasn't a part of them <laughs> in a way of like songwriting or something. You know, songwriting yeah. is different. It's, it was really weird. It was a very green moment, uh, I think, on his part. And I was trying to reassure everyone that that's not the case. But, you know, whatever. I think it worked out for, for what it was. It was great. And we got some great tunes out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I don't know what uh, his experiences were. I mean, I do know that, um, that you know, outside of that conflict, he's a, you know, really, really nice, nice dude. Clearly just doesn't know you personally because, I mean, you you saying that, I'm like laughing just because anyone that knows you knows that um, you're one of the nicest dudes out there um, and definitely one of the most genuine people in the music industry. Um, and, you know, I do think that I've experienced this a little bit in years past. Like, there's definitely some sketchy people in the music industry, but I think that... Um, you know, I, I think that the more you do it, you kind of get an intuition for that. Um, and I also think that luckily with the way everything is today, I feel that it, it's pretty difficult for someone to like claim false rights um, to a song just because, you know, there's so many different ways that we can prove that, you know, time stamps on when a song started to be created and things like that. You know, it's just not like it used to be in say the eighties or nineties or something where you could hijack someone's song idea and, you know, maybe it's much more difficult for them to prove something like that. Yeah. I think, um, I think artists should always be, always play defense in every situation. Um, but it also, as you grow, as you work over the years, you start to get more experience and you're meeting people all the time and, you're starting to learn who is who is trustworthy, who isn't, um, who who you know, who isn't shady. The people that that actually do the things they say they're going to do, and um, you know, so that sort of backs off a little bit. Like once you sort of get your circle, you know who you can trust, and you don't have to be so defensive, you know. Um, and and then you can really, because really, it's all about, you know, it's all about getting back to the music, right? It's all about getting back to the creative, like this business stuff is this awful thing that we have to deal with on the sides, you know, but it's very much, I say on the sides, but it is very much at the forefront. I should have said that, but you have to worry about those things, you know? Absolutely. Um, I don't know if we can talk about this on here, but the, um, dude, when you, These are the best <laughs> you stories. sent me that, the, the video of the guy and I think he's in France and he basically like <laughs> direct, directly ripped off. Um, beautiful day. I mean, yeah. it, it just, it, it was funny from my perspective because it was just such a direct ripoff. I'm like, damn, this dude has no shame. Like there wasn't even an attempt to um, just draw, be able to even argue, oh, I drew inspiration from the songs. Like it cut, copy, paste, put the words in French, you know, Um but can we talk about that? Or? Yeah, yeah. There's nothing illegal going on. Like, I, I <clears throat> to be honest, like, I I didn't pursue it uh, after I actually, I found him on, like, Instagram or something. And I messaged him. And he's, like, this French dude. And, yeah, our song, Beautiful Day, is, he covered it. 
but didn't dip, didn't give us any credit. And uh, sorry to turn off that phone there. Um, he didn't give us any credit. And uh, literally, it is the same song. It is the song, like with right. French, with French lyrics. And like I think him and some guy like changed some lyrics around. Like when I asked him about it, I was like, bro. I wrote this song in my bedroom in 2012. Like, what are you doing? You know, like I'm fine with people covering our songs, but go through the proper channels. Don't say you wrote the song or your buddy wrote the song, you know? Yeah. That's how, that's how it was. Uh, if I remember correctly, there was not even like a subtle reference of it being a cover. It was directly <laughs> it was <the> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, man, that, I could see that being aggravating on your end, but I mean, it was kind of funny. He um, he doesn't give very many streams, um, you know, so I wasn't too bothered by it. I I do need to get back to it. Like, I need to just, you know, I you, I need to stand up for what's right, for what's mine. You know, I can't just let somebody just make even a dollar off of my shit. Like, you know, it's it's fine. Like I said, if you want to do a cover, just go through the proper channels, buy the license, do, do what every other band does, you know, when they want to do a cover song. Right. And this was I was I was more like you say it was funny to you at the time. It was funny to me at the time. I was more like, "Are you shitting me? Like, is this happening right now? Like, this is is crazy." Because most artists are not going to deliberately steal a song because they don't want to be known for that. They want to they that most artists want to make their own music, you know, especially the true artists. And you know, it's one thing like we live in an age now where especially if you're you're writing pop songs or anything that could be potentially on the radio or anything like that you're going to run into similar melodies and and arrangements and i mean there is there are there are videos on youtube of a guy that has a pro tools session with like eight different country songs from like 6 years in a row or something that were all number 1 for so many weeks and you literally, he put them together and it's seamless. They're the same tempo. They're the same key. It just sounds like you can hear the, the subtle difference in production, like different mixes and things like that. But it's the same. It's literally the same song, just different different lyrics. And maybe the licks are a little bit different, like the guitar stuff. But the, the, chord, the chords are the same, everything. It's wild. Like you're going to run into that. I mean, that's, that's crazy in the country world. But, you know, it's, there's that, and then there's just completely ripping somebody off, you know? Absolutely. Um, and, hey, hey, I actually, I want to know your, your opinion on this, because this is something that I've always wondered, like, where, where do we draw a line, you know? Um, so, like, th- this is pretty relevant for you. So, doo-wop. You and I both love doo-wop stuff. You... Obviously, we'll do. I feel like every Ballyhoo album or every other one, there's like the the doo-wop ballad, and you know, doo-wop. There's only so many chords, and there's the really typical progression and groove that's going to go behind it, and you really don't want to vary from that too much if you're gonna, you know, do a doo-wop inspired thing. That's like, you know, that's the magic behind that that sound, right? So. Um, where do you kind of draw a line and say that, you know, cause look at that song, uh, blurred lines, right. Mm-hmm. Speaking about drawing lines, right. So where, where there's blurred lines for determining like what is just stylistically, um, 
influenced by a genre and what can you argue is ripping off the song because so many genres have songs that sound almost identical just because um, they're rooted in a certain kind of progression or a certain tone. You know, I feel like there's certain genres you could do that more with, but like look at a lot of the trap stuff that's coming out today. Like where do we draw a line and how do we define uh, what that is? Same thing with Motown. Like you've got those, uh, sort of hipster retro bands that are uh, trying to sound like their album could have come out in the sixties. Um, I did a couple singles like that too. And, and, you know, you go into it listening to, to groups like the temptations and the four tops. And um, there's a lot of signature drum fills that happen. You know, maybe it's because at the time it was a lot, a lot of the uh, same musicians in the room, but if you want to, you know, kind of pay tribute to that, where is that fine line? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I was trying to, while you were getting into this, I was trying to find, uh, there's a, there's actually a, like an explanation of this. Like when, uh, when this stuff goes to court, what they, um, what they consider like to be a, a complete ripoff or like, like when they have to pay like the estate of somebody or whatever, or, uh, <clears throat> or what is the, uh, how much can I get away with, basically? Um, there was this whole explanation that I was trying to find it. I'll, I'll try to find it a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean, when it comes to that, like, uh, for me, like, when I think of, like, um, like doo-wop, I, I kind of compare it to, like, doo-wop was, like, its own, like, there's, it's just, it's its own little sector in the, in the scape of music, like, in the whole landscape, like, I kind of consider it like reggae, like, and reggae is actually a derivative of like old R&B music <clears throat> um, from that era. And um, if like reggae has, is known for the, for the upstrokes and like the one drop and on the drums and think, you know, there's a very, when you hear reggae, you know, it's reggae. And when you hear doo-wop, you know, it's doo-wop, right? Um, and when you go back to like, and you look at those, that old footage of like um, uh, the Penguins and like Chubby Checker and like, I mean, Chubby Checker redid the twist like nine times. You know what I mean? Like in different versions of different titles. Yeah. You know? And like, and that, uh, I forgot the band that does that. I can mash potato. I can do the twist. You know that shit? Like, yep. it's all based around the same sound, the same formula, but it was, it was just what was popular in the day. It was pop music back in the day. That's what pop music was. And what does pop music do? It just rips off each other. It just copies the same production styles, the same uh, elements, the same techniques, the same vocal stylings, all that shit. It's, it's just, it's just era specific. You know, every, every song on the radio in the nineties was a, a band that sounded like Nirvana. You know, it was just a big guitars and the choruses and raspy vocals. And, you know, it's just, it's it's weird and and so like when I write a doo-wop song, you know, like I I've thought about doing full releases of this stuff before, um, but yeah, it does sort of feel like okay, I'm gonna have to do, I'm gonna have to look up and research every style um, of doo-wop because there's different beats, you know. Um, there's like the slower stuff that dun, 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 right, and then there's like the shit do da da da. That, that that kind of stuff like that thing you do you know um yep and uh so 
you know, does it get, uh, does it get old? Does it, am I stepping on someone's copyright? Like, uh, am I using the sound? I mean, what, I mean, I think what I kind of came down to was like, I don't care. Like whatever sounds good, I'm just going to throw it down. I'm going to try not to make these two songs sound exactly alike, but that's kind of the reality of it. And there are things you can do to get around it, but you know, ultimately it's just the sound, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's what I mean. Um, I, I always found that interesting. Um, I feel like, I don't know, I guess in this day and age, it seems like some artists, um, just want to argue to just to see what happens. But, um, yeah, yeah. I've just always been curious about that, but Hey, how good is that thing you do? That's one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. Love that movie. Tom Hanks. Tom oh, Hanks. Is he, how's he doing, by the way? Did you have you seen? I haven't checked. Uh, I know he posts on Instagram sometimes. I just uh, I heard that him and his wife have the COVID nineteen, and um, that's the last I heard of it. Hopefully, they're doing okay. Uh, hopefully, that this damn vaccine comes sooner than eighteen months, like they're talking. But yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that thing you do was was a great. Uh, movie is one of those movies came at the perfect time for me because that's when I think I had I had just started the band or I was about to start the band or something and it just got me more excited you know about about doing that and uh, watching them start as this little tiny band in the garage to playing their first show and there's like yeah you know, I think he like knocks over the microphone or something and you know, nervous. And then, and then to them being on the radio and then exploding like the Beatles, you know, that was like a, such a fun thing to watch. It just gets you pumped. Totally. And I feel like by the end of the movie, they were, uh, at least kind of realistic with what I think a lot of people that start bands and play in different bands will go through, especially if you do it at a young age with, you know, people that, um, kind of come and go and just dealing with egos, especially if things start to, to move quickly. Um, so just all around awesome, awesome movie. Did that, um, do you know if that came out in 94? Cause you know, my, we've had conversations about 1994 and how good of a year that was for movies and music, just like ridiculous. I want to say it was 95 or 96. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Oh, that thing you do, because now I want to know. That thing you do. Let's see. 1996. Gotcha. Yeah. But, um, yeah, man, 94, though. Like, I don't know. If, have you ever talked about this on the podcast? Because if people don't know this, it's it's insane how many unbelievable movies and albums came out in 94. There was just something in the air that year i swear everything yeah i've mentioned this on the on the pod a couple times um and it i still i still but i will i don't think i'll ever think any different everything just went downhill from there you know <laughs> it's yeah it's like you we've, obviously <laughs> yeah. we've had great movies and great music come out since then the last you know 26 years but um it's uh 94 was like everything man it's my it's my favorite year, you know. Uh, let's take a look at this list here. Um, you know, Nirvana, uh, the uh, the Unplugged album came out. 
Still such a great, great record, man. Such a great record. Um, I'm looking at this website. Oh, the uh, the black metal renaissance. Okay, that was 94. Uh, <laughs> uh, the glory days of pop. So you've got uh, Oasis. You got Bump and Grind by R. Kelly. I mean, say what you want about the man, but I mean, <laughs> Bump and Grind, it's a great song. Um, oh, man. <laughs> um, a lot of babies started with... Uh, that song playing that's the start of it for sure for sure uh i mean movies you had pulp fiction ace ventura uh forrest gump the mask true lies true lies is such a great movie um so good with shawshank redemption because i feel like i was watching that the other day and I was talking to, it got me talking to Liz about, did you ever look up all the movies that came out in 94? And I feel like this was one of them. Yeah, and then we were was. talking, yep. And we started talking about like, you know, the good kids movies to, that we have to show Caden, like when he's a little bit older to remember. And um, Lion King came up and I'm like, I bet that was 94. And it was. Hell yeah, dude. Lion King, uh, Dumb and Dumber, um, uh, uh, Speed, Pulp Fiction, that I mentioned that one already, Natural Born Killers. Um, I mean, just just such a great year for the arts. I don't know what it was that that led up to that. You know, I mean, obviously a couple of years earlier we had the riots in L.A. and um, there was a lot of crazy shit happening in the, in the United States around that time. Yep. I mean, the '90s was a was a wild time for uh, for crime and 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 oppression and stuff. And, you know, that's, that's the things, those are the things that breed great art, right? For sure. Like offsprings, uh, smash. Like I used to listen to that record all the time. And, um, you know, it took me until I got a little bit older to, uh, you know, realize what was being said in, in a lot of those songs. Like, you know, I don't think passively listening in a young age that I got, you know, what come out and play was all about, but, Dude, some of the uh, the the aggression and the lyrics behind those songs just brilliant. Absolutely, um, yeah. I I don't know what it was like <clears throat> for me because whenever I whenever I think of ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight, like it was it just after ninety four, it just sort of gets like murky. Like nothing really sticks out. You know, there like obviously, like I said, you have you have your good stuff that comes out every year, but not at that volume. Like ninety four is the volume was so high. Um, you know, like we said, like ninety six was uh, that thing you do. That's a great movie. Um, I think uh, what was that? What was out? Um, what was on the radio at that point. Screened Insomniac's ninety six, right? Or is that ninety five? Insomniac came out on my birthday, October tenth, nineteen ninety five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's um, perfect. That is that is so fitting that that came out on your birthday. Yeah, I know. Uh, it was written in the stars, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, it's yeah. What a, what a great year, man. Um, it'd be nice to go through and like put a playlist together of like all the best songs in ninety four. I'm sure there is one, and like all the best movies, like just have like a, a weekend of uh, maybe use the quarantine to like just watch all the best movies of 94. <laughs> I've been, yeah. uh, I've been turning my kids on to Ace Ventura lately and the mask. It's and, like, so good, dude. Yeah. The Jim Carrey stuff, you know, great. 
Do they love it? Yeah, yeah. My daughter loves Jim Carrey. She's like, she's she's been seeing a lot of him lately. Like we watched uh, we watched uh, uh, a series of unfortunate events, which came out in 04. I forgot about that he was in that movie. He played he played uh, uh, Count Olaf. Gotcha. That's yeah. the that's the bad guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Creepy looking dude, and then the shitty house, and he makes the kids like do all the chores and stuff. And he's trying to get their uh, their inheritance money because their their parents died, and um, he's like a a cousin or something. And now he they're under his care, and now he just puts them to work, and he's like, they try to escape, and he's like, oh, coming after him. He just wants the inheritance money, you know. It's a, it's a I thought it was a cool movie, <laughs> and then the style that- and everything. That is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I like um, – it, it's funny. Like if you look at a lot of the like kids' books and movies that are out there, there's there's a lot of – I feel like the best ones uh, kind of don't avoid reality and have this like dark undertone to them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but – and I feel like I feel like those – because those started as books, right? And I feel like those books definitely have that um, – because isn't it, isn't it like the, I mean, the series of unfortunate events, isn't it that at any time things start to progress in like a positive uh, motion for these kids, like there's these really bad setbacks and stuff. They just seem to have this, like the fates are working against them or something. Yeah. Yeah. There's like this whole challenge after they lose their parents. Um, and I, I didn't read, I didn't read the books. I don't, I don't, I don't read very much, but like um, they, they, it, they're putting these terrible situations that they have to escape out of. And, and the, the sister, the older sister, she's like 14 or 15, I think. And she's like super smart and can like invent things from like scratch, you know, like, uh, like take like a, at one point there's a, they're on railroad tracks and she has to, she sees the lever. They're locked inside a car. He parked, left him parked on the railroad tracks. And uh, she sees the lever to change the the track over so the train will avoid them. It'll go around them instead of hit them. And so she takes like a piece of leather, like a long piece of trim leather from like rips it off the seats, these bench seats in this old ass car. And then they get she rips one of the springs out of the seats. Um, and then what else? Something else. And it puts it all together like MacGyver style. And like uses it, like uses the outside of the door. Like she slips it through the window. Her and her brother pull, pulling from inside, where it, so the spring comes back, and then they let it go, and then the the spring takes off with this with a piece of leather a leather around it, and they wrap it around the handle, and they can pull the lever from where they're sitting in the car. It was, it was very interesting and cool, you know. Uh, but that is cool. Yeah, just wild like kids. inventions like that, you know. Uh, you were sucking me into the story, man. I feel like uh, if they do the audio book, they should hire you for that. <laughs> and there <laughs> they were. Count Olaf walked inside the store, leaving them <laughs> stranded on the tracks. That, that's it, man. You're hired. If someone hears that, you're about to get the phone call. I wish I could um, say that Andy Dufresne. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wish yo, I could but- tell you. That Andy Dufresne. It's <laughs> my best Morgan oh, Freeman. I, I, it's a good Morgan Freeman. You get that down. I forgot that you're pretty good at, at voices. Um, I feel like when anytime I've been in the studio with you, especially if a couple drinks are involved, there, there's some good um, some good voices that come out. 
Uh, yeah, I get a little crazy sometimes. It's fun. Alex, our tour manager, is very good at voices. Like he can do like all the Family Guy stuff, and he's just really good at like making doing impressions. And uh, I I suck, man. I've always been so jealous of of anyone that can do that. Rob is uh, Rob is pr- pretty good at that. Um, he does this really good creepy. What is it? Microsoft Sam. Do you know that voice? Microsoft I'm not even going to attempt. I don't know. It's like that old computer voice. Oh, um, okay. Files I'm not done. even going to attempt. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. <laughs> like AOL. But, but he does it so accurately. Um, and it's really creepy because to do it, he's like thinning out his lips and like opens his eyes pretty wide. And it's just, it's, it's pretty creepy, but it's funny. Um, <laughs> How are you guys doing with the, uh, the all the shit going on? No events and you know all of that. Well, you know I've been saying for about a week or so that like once this really started kind of to get in, get like sink in, um, I started to kind of think about like you know we we're always going to find a way, like not just us but anybody and not just artists. I, I'm talking about like any person. Like when the when the odds are against you, if you can keep a positive attitude, uh, because I truly believe that mindset is everything, um, and you can instead of thinking about all the bad things that can happen or are going to happen, think of solutions, you know, ways to get out or ways to avoid the worst shit ever, and um, you know, for us and other bands, it's come to it's all moved online you know like live streams and uh so i'm seeing i mean this is great for facebook and twitter and instagram and you know like people are using the platforms more than ever right now because i I just said something to danielle yesterday i'm like i'm spending so much time on facebook i never spend as much time on facebook but what i'm doing is i'm going live and then i'm going back and reading the comments because i want to know you know, the songs that people that I missed that people wanted to hear so I can play them for next time. I want to know how it sounded, if I need to adjust anything, like stuff like that. Like, I, and I, I like replying back to people as well. Um, so, you know, and seeing all these other artists do the same thing, like just do these like two hour streams. Um, I mean, it's great. It's like, it just shows you the heart that people have, the, the, the determination, the drive. Um, and again, like I said, we, you know, we lost, you know, it's probably going to be two months. I, I don't know if we're going to be able to do these shows in April now. Um, so it's going to be two months of work and um, that we're missing on. And we were, we're figuring out a way to, to bring in money personally and bring in money for the band just to kind of sustain. Nobody's rich. Nobody's getting rich off these live streams. It's going back into the business. Basically, you know, you have to figure out a way to um, sustain for a couple months. And if you can make, you know, five or 10K doing a couple live streams, that can really stretch for a long time because you're not using, you're not on tour, you're not paying for gas, you're not buying hotels, you're not, you know, there's, there's not much overhead except for, you know, the van payment at this point and our salaries, you know. Um, you know, we'll have to possibly cut back salaries, you know, if, if this live stream doesn't go off well. Um, and, uh, it's not the end of the world, you know, um, 
but uh, these bands are doing things to, to figure out, to, to be able to sustain. And um, that's, that's what we're doing. And I'm not freaking out. I'm definitely staying vigilant. Um, I'm, I've been, I've always washed my hands, you know, and then the kids, you know, we had to make sure they, they knew exactly how to do it for real. Because we've always, we've always pushed that on them as well. Um, but staying inside, not, not mingling with crowds of people. And like I've been seeing lately, it just seems a little, a little bizarre, a little crazy that people aren't getting it. It's, and my answer to that, like, I think is, uh, you got these people, these like deniers and I'm totally for like question everything. I obviously don't believe everything the government tells you. Don't believe everything the media tells you, but do some fucking research on the side. You know, don't just say, I don't believe that and just go about your day. Go read some articles. Go look at some official shit from the CDC or whatever. Like, and just you like look at what's happening. Like the numbers get bigger every day. They're not making this shit up, you know. And like just because you're not seeing it, there's a lot of people in the country. There there are 300 million, 350 million people in this country. Like you're just not seeing it because there's so many people. Like, but eventually, over the next few weeks, you're gonna start hearing about people you know, a friend of a friend of a friend that has it. And it's just going to get closer because people aren't abiding by these these uh, these rules that the gov- the local governments are trying to set. Hey guys, stay inside. Don't go to the beach. Don't go to the park. Don't go to DC and look at the cherry blossoms. Like, stay out of crowds. It's one thing when you're with your close family, but Jesus Christ, you know, it's like it's not going to get better any faster if if you're not complying. You know, you got to make some sacrifices. Some people are just fucking selfish. That's that's how I see it. Yeah, that's. That's really what um, I think that's what it comes down to, right? Is that, and I don't think, I think there's some people that didn't take the time to understand. Like, I think the argument that you hear from a lot of people is it's, it's not killing a lot of people. And that that's a, a selfish comment, right? Because it's killing a lot of older and unhealthy people. So if you're really healthy, then, uh, then, then yeah, I mean, there's definitely two extreme sides of this. There's the deniers, and then you've got the people that are like the doomsday preppers that they literally think this is the end and like cancel everything that I've ever uh, planned for this year and next and, you know, forever forward. Um, but yeah, I think people aren't stopping to say that like, okay, you, yeah, you might get over it in a few days, but what about the thing that you touch in the grocery store that two minutes later, this, you know, older woman is going to touch where maybe she's recovering from cancer and that's someone's grandmother. And, you know, so that's, I think the, the way that people need to look at this. And even if you want to be really selfish about it, like I, I'll be honest, I didn't know what to think of it at first because, um, you know, I, I, definitely if I'm hearing something from a scientist, I love to, to look at the facts of things and kind of form my own opinion. Um, I try to look at all sorts of opposing news sources so I can see, cause I, I feel like it's, this is something I feel like everyone should do. Uh, or it's like a skill that is really important for this day and age is there's so much clickbait and bullshit that gets put out there. And then, you know, your friends and friends of friends on social media 
spin things with their own opinion and it just gets so diluted that you need to start at the core, try and find scientific facts. And then I think if you look at opposing news sources, you can kind of read through and see what's consistent across the board. And, you know, so I'm all for questioning everything, but for anyone that doesn't think this thing is like real at this point, um, you suck, you know, like the people going to party on the beach in Florida, that's fucking it up for everyone. Cause that's only going to further over flood these hospitals. We don't have the supplies for it. And it's going to make these lockdowns or partial lockdowns just extend even more. And there, there's just so many elements to this too, because all right, being a small business owner, um, what this is going to do to the economy, I don't think people realize yet that, you know, there's this argument of, um, and this is, this is where I was kind of conflicted too. Like not, I, I didn't think this way before, but now I'm almost like, you know, I wouldn't fight a, a straight out quarantine because it's almost like if everyone is required to do these very defined things for, you know, set amount of time, rather than keep it loose and then you have these idiots that um, aren't using any discretion and they're just totally spreading this thing. Um, I, I feel like it's just going to make this half committed thing extend even longer, which is terrible for, um, you know, not, not only having the uh, COVID stick around longer at a worse rate, but also for the economy. So it's just, on many levels, it's a, it's a big problem. I, I'm not an <laughs> expert on any of this stuff, but that's just the way I see it, you know? Yeah. It, uh, you got these fucking people that just don't want to, they, they, I don't know, they don't want to comply. They don't believe it. They don't think it's a big deal. And they're not thinking about other people. You know, I don't want my kids to get this. I don't, you know, and yes, kids, can, everyone can be affected by this. Everyone can get it. Not, it's not just an old people thing. There are 40 year olds on on ventilators right now and you know in hospitals there's you know there's a five-year-old girl in maryland that got it you know my daughter's five i don't want my kids getting this shit i don't want um you know that's why i was saying earlier is like i'm hesitant to let my kids play with the neighborhood kids because you don't know who they're touching you know at, at home and other people and where they're going and what they're doing you know it's just like it's like i don't want to sound like a dick but it's like i gotta protect my family i gotta you know uh there there are a lot of people that that are totally okay with this they're complying they're they're making the sacrifices they're you know uh then you've got the others that just they don't want to hear it and and it's like dude there's no vaccine like they make this comparison like to the flu how it kills more people like i get that but there's a vaccine for that like there's nothing more you can do like there's something we can do about this you know and there's no vaccine so like if there was a vaccine it wouldn't be like it is. You wouldn't, it wouldn't be complete total lockdown. It's like, okay, well, I'm going to go get this, this fucking vaccine before, you know, and once I have it, I'm good. And we'd be able to continue on, you know, everybody that has it before the vaccine is going to have it, going to have to get through it, but we don't have a vaccine. And they're talking about the other, like last week, I said, uh, it could be up to 18 months before there's something actually legit out to the public. They're doing testing. They're testing all kinds of vaccines, but nothing, could come out till next year. It's just like, bro, just stop thinking about yourself. 
get your groceries. Don't buy all the goddamn toilet paper. Get what you need and leave some for the, everybody else that needs it, you know, and, and go home. Just stay home. And I understand it's like it's hard, too, because you have small businesses and, and people that, that like, aren't going to be able to work, you know, people that don't own their own business and people that just are employees somewhere. They have to stay home. They're losing money. They don't. They can't pay their rent. Like that. Obviously, it sucks. But like, you know, you got. Where do you draw the line? Like, bro, you're gonna either get. You're either gonna get through this in another month or two, or it's gonna be another six or eight months of this shit. What do you want? It, you know, it's it's very. I don't. know, People just don't fucking think. Right, and I think that um, yeah, the the job thing comes up, and it's like you know. W- okay, I, I think the solution is the same thing as, as it is to, you know, stopping the spread. The sooner we can stop the spread, I think everything can start to get back to normal. So um, I for think the sake of- in my own opinion, sorry to interrupt, in my own opinion, there's been a very, a very much a lack of thorough leadership in this country. Like my our, like there are states that are doing this better than the federal government. Like Maryland, uh, Governor Hogan, he's a uh, <clears throat> he's a Republican, but he's not like some crazy right guy. Like he's very he's very like he's a Republican, but he's like he makes sense, you know. And uh, yeah, and uh, I voted for him here in Maryland um, because I thought he was doing a great job, and I, rem- I I did some research on him, and I was looking at the Democratic uh, nominee as well last year or the year before. Um, and I ended up going, going with Hogan again. I was like, yeah, things are going well here in Maryland. Like he does a good job. And sure enough, he's, he's killing it right now. He's like national news right now because he's coming up as like one of the top, top guys that's taking care of this swiftly and making the right choices. And he's, cause he's not, he's not entertaining like, well, you know, I don't know. He's, he's taking the necessary precautions and, you know, He's trying to tell, he's like, I don't want to shut this, this whole place down, but I will, you know, you guys, you guys keep fucking around. These are his exact words. Like, you guys are fucking around. <laughs> no, it's not. But, uh, he's just like, he's like, uh, he's doing things kind of incrementally, but it's getting to the point where he's going to have to completely shut everything down. And, but he, uh, in my opinion, I feel like he's, he's done a great job with it and, uh, you know, the, the the federal government needs to get better at this. We weren't prepared. We should have been prepared. Yeah, it's. I don't think anyone was uh, prepared on a, on a large scale for something like this. And no, I mean, no. I don't know. I I don't want to give input because I I don't. You know, beyond just staying in, I don't know anything about it. I'm a, a dude that plays music, runs a small business, so I'm not educated on this kind of thing i try to get as educated as i can on it but um you know i just guess we'll have to see how it plays out but the one thing i do know is that there are definitely one thing i hope evens out is i'm seeing two extremes i'm seeing those idiots that are um you know spring breaking on the miami beach um which was enraging and then I'm also seeing, like from my business perspective, I talk to a lot of people in the wedding industry. So I guess for people listening that don't know, so I own a, a wedding DJ and, and lighting company. Um, but so one of the things I'm seeing, like today I got an email from 
a bride whose wedding is at the end of October. And it was just very, like, very nervous, panicky, kind of like, what should I do? Um, email. And that to me is, is extreme because, you know, at least from what I'm hearing on the news from the doctors and, and things who are, you know, they're taking into account and trying to figure out all the, the possibilities. And, you know, we keep hearing that, uh, I think like late summer is, is what they've said, right? That this is settled out, but, um, you know, there's no benefit for anyone to, to panic, um, that far in advance. And I think that if we just as bad as it is, if, if you ignore this and go party on the beach, I think it's equally problematic to, uh, kind of get it in your head that cancel everything, um, you know, and just have this mentality that this will never end. Like, I, I think the best thing we can do is balance the facts with, um, I guess grounded hope, right? Like you want to be realistic, but there's, there's a difference between, um, ex, you know, knowing the facts and thinking like this will never get better and just sitting and dwelling in it and knowing the facts and, and accepting those and then looking forward as calmly as possible and, you know, trying to do everything you can to keep contributing to society and, and, sending out positivity because that's just as infectious, right? As if all of us lose it and um, just react in a hot headed way and start doing all these things. Um, it's going to hurt our personal relationships and it's going to further impact the economy. So we have to balance two, two things right now. Everyone, we have to think about everyone's health and look out for that. And that's our own personal responsibility to do everything we can to not get anyone else potentially sick, take that really seriously, but also like don't make rash decisions right now. Be a person that has this calm aura about them and we're going to help each other get through it much better that way. That that's how I feel. Yeah, I think I think if uh if people actually uh learned and tried to practice stoicism like I've been reading about this a little bit lately. Um, basically, like not having a knee-jerk reaction, remaining calm, um, because you can't you can't process or think with it when you're going crazy. When things are when you you know, obviously most people are, are going to be like they're going to freak out when they hear something. We need to be able to take in information, not react in a way that's gonna hurt us or someone else um but process the information like i find i found lately that like when when something's going on or i have to make a decision on something they say they say sleep on it like that for me personally i i feel like yeah that makes sense like i have a, if i have a night to sleep on it take a shower like kind of process what's happening consider all options you know all options all all solutions um I can make a better informed decision. And um, I think like, and people are quick to share an article that they haven't even read just because of the title. Um, and we all know that most titles are clickbait and it's completely different from what the article says, or it's an article that was eight years old and has no relevance. Um, you know, things like that. And people react off of that. And it's just this big snowball that happens. And I think like, 
stoicism is just something that that we're missing as a culture. Like we should be more laid back if we, you know, people aren't wired that way. You know, it's just, it's something that has to be developed, um, myself included, because I, I, you know, just in the last couple years, I've sort of been really trying to work on that part of myself, like stop freaking out. Like there's things you can't control. Don't worry about that shit. Focus on the things you can control. And then when life throws shit at you, good or bad, you it's how you react to it. It's how you deal with it. That's going to, it's going to reveal how you come out on the other side. Hey, everybody. Quick promo right here. Shameless, shameless as ever. The new Ballyhoo song, Fighter, is out now. Uh, it includes Dark Sunglasses, California King, and Renegade, the previous singles from the last year. We wanted to put them all together so you had them in one place. We're super excited to have this out. We, it's completely DIY. We did it all ourselves uh, from recording to production to mixing to mastering and release. We did it all ourselves and we're very proud of it. If you haven't checked it out yet, please go stream it wherever you listen to music Spotify, Apple Music, and everywhere else. It's Fighter by my band, Ballyhoo. Uh, we love you and we hope to see you at the shows. Thank you so much. I couldn't agree with that anymore. And uh, I've said this to you before, but I feel like I feel like everything that you've gone through as a person with, you know, you know, you've lost both of your parents at, at a young age. So, I mean, having to go through something like that and coming out, um, you know, as successfully personally and, and really in every aspect of your life as you have and, uh, you know, just turning every situation into a positive and you just always seem to be this very level-headed dude. And anyone who's in the music industry knows that um, every day, you, you know, you get thrown these crazy challenges and the fact that you're living with the same people um, after all this time. I mean, look at how long you've been in the same band with, with those dudes. That's a testament to, all of you guys certainly mastering um, some level of, of patience and just looking at things practically. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I've told you before, dude, but you should write a book about all of these things because I think that people could get a lot out of it. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah, that stoic way is uh, it's definitely beneficial. I, I have a book <laughs> I keep uh, in the kitchen. It's um I think it's just called the daily stoic and it's just every day there's like, you know, um, a, a piece of advice in that. And, uh, it's a good way to start the day. It definitely grounds me a little bit cause I've got the crazy hot headed Italian in me. So I think that, uh, it, it, it's a nice reminder, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we, we need that from time to time. And, uh, you know, that's what I'm hoping the podcast does, you know, cause like I said, I'm not much of a reader. I try to read, I try to get myself into reading. Uh, that was one thing that I hate about myself is like, God damn it. Why can't I, why don't I, there, there are people that read a book a week, you know, it's like, come on. And, uh, <clears throat> I just can't focus, you know, it's weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it really is how you, how you process and how you, how you react that really shows you know I, I don't know you got to have a positive attitude you gotta you can't just be like oh this is happening i guess it's fucking over you know you can't have that mentality 
Um, and it's easier said than done for a lot of people. And, and I'm a very positive person, I think, for the most part. Uh, people closest to me have definitely seen me dramatic. I can definitely be dramatic. I know that about myself. And uh, self-awareness is also key. Um, and uh, none, I'm not definitely not a perfect person. I'm definitely like, I'm saying things that sometimes I have a hard time practicing myself, you know, when I, when I give advice to people. Um, I'm just, we're all human and we're just trying to get through this thing. And uh, I don't know. I think being an asshole and just saying, no, fuck that. I'm not, I'm not, this, none of this is true. I'm fine. Nobody's dying. Like, bro. Like you got, you're being an asshole, you know, like you're not thinking of anyone else but yourself and those fucking people that go buy all the toilet paper, you know, it's, and all the diapers, like there's, there are people out there that can barely afford diapers and you're buying all of them, you know, people got, it's like, that's panic. Yeah. People are, yeah, they're freaking out. Like we would do, if there was a zombie apocalypse, this whole place would collapse. The Walking Dead is like would be a documentary at that point. It'd be a reenactment of <laughs> what is happening. It's like <laughs> yep. people people would collapse and eat each other, like literally. And uh, it just sucks to see that, you know. And there are very level-headed people. There are plenty of level-headed people out there that are doing the right thing and and are able to handle situations like that. But I would say most of us, and this is not just the U.S., but globally. Most of the people, it's probably the bigger percentage, you know, are, are the ones that freak out and panic and just cause the most chaos. And that's what would destroy us in the end. It, it really would, man. I, I believe that. Um, so what do you like uh, on for tour life, right? What do you do? Do you have like a daily routine that, um, that keeps you level-headed? Because I know, I know I have my routine for, you know, back when I was doing the silhouette thing, if we were on the road or doing an album and when I'm in like the, the peak of wedding season where it's like triple wedding weekend and the company is sold out, I have had to find things that, you know, will help me in the moment of like, you know, you could get really reactive right now or you could stop and, you know, realize that you're, body wants to naturally freak out and just ignore that for a second and try and think, do you have different things that you do that you find effective? I mean, usually like when I be on the road, it's like, I don't know, I just like stay, you get conditioned, you know? And like, I don't think about a lot of stuff. I just sort of like, just go with it. So when things, things good or bad, when they happen on the road, it's sort of like, I don't know. Um, you're conditioned to not get a lot of sleep. You know, you kind of nap when you can. Um, you know, where others would just be asleep in the in the second day. You know, day two, we've had crew, got new crew guys that just have never really done it before. They hit the road, and day two, they're just passed out. You know, when we're just up on our phones. You know, I mean, there's like so many distractions these days. There's there's video games, and we have the the phones and laptops and iPads and music that we listen to a lot of music in the van. Like, I don't know, just sort of, it's just what we do. It just becomes a part of, part of your life and getting reacclimated to home life is like really hard typically, you know? Yeah. Cause you, you go from, 
you know, a hundred miles an hour all the time. Not, not literally. I'm not saying you guys drive recklessly, but <laughs> you, you know, you're always kind of in, in this hyper, hyper speed. Um, mm. and then you get home and it's just a, it's a totally, totally different beast, especially for someone like you. That's like, I mean, you guys are on the road more than almost any band that I know, just hustling. Um, hard, one of the hardest working bands, um, that anyone could ever find. And I, I would argue that any day. So I imagine for you, it must be, I, I heard you talking about it on one of the recent podcasts, but to switch that off, um, I don't think there's any way that, um, someone can master just, just doing that. Okay. Back to home life, boom, flick of a switch and you're there. Um, I don't see that being humanly possible. Yeah, it's 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 weird. You know, there's no there's no like you said there's no s- switch and I wish there was. Um but it's sometimes it takes me a week to get reacclimated. And like when I got back from this tour a few weeks ago with Iration, um I realized that I was going every day. Like the, from when I got home and that, you know, that night and the next morning when the kids get up for school, it was like I'm just in dad mode and I'm just doing it. And I'm making dinner when they get home and doing homework and, you know, on top of, you know, mixing records for other bands and trying to write new songs for Ballyhoo and, you know, all the production stuff, like all that. And I realized like that following Saturday from when I got home that went through that whole week, I was like, I haven't chilled at all. I haven't stopped at all since I got home from tour and being on tour is obviously, you know, three weeks of that was crazy. So you know, I just, I decided not to do anything. I started playing video games again. You know what I mean? Like it was just, I got to do something else to unwind my brain and chill out. I, I like slept a little bit longer, you know, like I hate sleeping in past like eight, eight thirty. man. It sucks. Like I feel like the biggest piece of shit ever when I do that. Um, but, uh, you know, it was like waking up at nine fifteen, nine thirty. It was like, ah, oh, all right. <laughs> you know, I slept in. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, you just have to, you have, you do have to, you know, the way that I work, I am always working on something. There's a million things happening all the time, but I put myself in those situations. Um, and you do have to make the call at some point, like, all right, you're going to run yourself into the ground and this project is going to suffer, um, because of that, or, or your family's going to suffer because you're going to be, uh, you know, just a, a cranky asshole, you know, when the kids get home from school and I didn't want to be that way. So you do have to make the call on yourself. Be like, bro, sit down, like take a nap, like chill, let this, put it to rest for a day or two. You know, like I don't have to, I love working on music. I love working on making shit creative, whatever, but I don't, you know, have to do it every day because it's just like anything else. It can wear you down. You can get tired, tired of it, you know, and being, forcing yourself to be creative when you're not feeling it is like the worst thing you can do. Totally. It, it, I, long term, if you don't give yourself that break and, you know, the, the opportunity to be fresh and, um, you know, continue to love what you do, the, the art's going to suffer. You're going to suffer through it. It's just, it's not, not good long term for, for anyone or anything. So, um, I've been like trying really hard over the past year to, I, I find myself scatterbrained. Like I, I always want to do a bunch of things and I end up working. I think long, I, I realize longer hours 
than I probably need to because of all the interruptions. And, you know, some of the interruptions um, are important. They're just going to happen and I accept them. But like, there's a lot of shit too, where it's me getting distracted and looking at the phone or just allowing my mind to wander. And um, it sounds, sounds kind of funny, but the, so I, I'm big on my morning routine now. And I guess this part's not funny because a lot of people do this, but uh, I like to get, get my workout in, uh, especially a run. And I've listened to like, I've changed what I'm listening to. It's usually pretty aggressive music, like Deftones or Glassjaw. And uh, I don't know, it just pushes me through and gets like, uh, I don't know, any of the, I try to focus on any of the energy that's not going to help me throughout the day and like push that out. And then um, I try to, I used to be, I used to not be into the whole idea of like, meditation because I didn't fully understand it. Um, I just couldn't get behind it. And I thought that it was this thing where you had to be into all these like scented candles and stuff like, like that. But, um, for me, what I'll do afterwards is just try and have even five or 10 minutes where I'm just sitting and I try to just focus on, on one thing, you know, maybe it's one thing in the room or, you know, just, something neutral and um any other thoughts that come in i'm kind of looking and just trying to chill my brain out and then this is the part that sounds funny when i take a shower for, for the last minute before i get out one minute i turn that sucker to as cold as the shower will go and i stand and i suffer through it and the whole time i just remind myself like this sucks if you do this right now like Remember how much this sucks and how calm you're being. And when that, you know, obstacle comes up today, just remember, like, calmly get through it. And that sounds so crazy, but I swear, man, it's made a significant difference for the way that I deal with unexpected bullshit. Um, So, I don't know. Maybe, Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe it will help some people, but. So you stand in a cold shower? And just let Dude, just, I, I just turn it all the through. way cold for a minute and I just push through. But I'm reminding myself the whole time that like you tough this out, this totally sucks. Like just in I don't know, maybe it's building the skill set of like endurance, but yeah. um I swear it's made a, a difference for me. It's so uh physically shocking to go from as hot as I like the shower to just I, all in one fell swoop, I'll just turn it. It's not, not something I ease cold. And I think that like, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> maybe the, maybe I'm going to get a ton, ton of people sick doing this if they're listening. But um, <laughs> for me, it's, uh, I don't know. You just kind of remember the, um, like getting through that. And I don't know if the shock of it comes into my mind when I'm about to be reactive. And it just helps give me that, extra minute of like, oh, hold on a second, you know. But That's cool, man. It's, hey, man, everybody's yeah. got their thing. Everybody's got their right. little exercise, like, you know, and if you don't, you need to find something. Get, get yourself in a cold shower. I'm sure people do stranger things in the bathroom, Howie. Probably. Probably. <laughs> Hit me up in the um, DM, everybody, with the craziest thing you've done in the shower. 
no, no, actually, please don't, please don't forget I said that. You're, you're in trouble now. You're about to get like, look in your inbox. Like, should I be reporting this? Like, what? The, I'll, bl- what? I'll block a- everybody that sends shit like that. <laughs> is that. Is that a goat? Is that a goat? What, what is, is that? The goat what? You- <laughs> what? Is that even human? Uh, <laughs> um, How's the, uh, the new Ballyhoo stuff coming? I mean, it's coming along, you know, it's been slower than I'd like it to be, but you know, it's like, you can't, like I said, you can't push yourself to do it. I, I hate, we got to a point where, you know, we used to, we used to record whenever we could, like, uh, you know, our old producer, engineer guy, Jerome, good friend of mine still, used to go to his house and it was like, okay, when can we come back? So three Tuesdays from now, from two to 3.30. Okay, cool, we'll be there. You know, like shit like that. Like always figuring it out and sort of like, when can we do this and how much money can we put together? And it was, it sucked doing it that way, obviously looking back. But on the other end, we got to a point where we were, you know, locking ourselves in a studio for two or three weeks and it so many upsides to that, right? Like you don't, like if you want to get, if you want to freak out because shit's not turning out the way you wanted to at the moment, like that takes not working or your vocals not coming out right or something, you can go away for a few hours and there's not like, you're not worried about eating the clock and losing money and stuff like that. But you also like you start to hate it. Like you get, when you quarantine yourself for, you know, two weeks or whatever, it's the word of the day, I guess. Um, <laughs> you just like, you start to like kind of go crazy, get cabin fever. Um, you, you, you know, you're running in circles and, like you feel like you can't escape from this and like all of a sudden you feel locked into doing this project and the worst thing you can do is is feel like you have to do it you know and when you get when you get to like where you got a week left and you know half the record is done or maybe not even half the record it's like okay we got a week left we got to finish this and that's the worst when you feel like you got to yeah, cram then you get yeah you know because the other thing is like how long is it going to take for us to be able to come back here? Because we obviously have to work with the same person because we want it to sound the same, you know, we want the same techniques, whatever. Everybody's got different recording techniques and mic placements and how they mix and all. There's lots of and the, the room sounds and everything. It's all it's all it's all relative. Um, so you know, and now it's like we're doing it at home, and I can just sort of like. Donald has the same setup as his, at his house. We just go get the drums. I, I send them over here. We, I, you know, do vocals, guitars. I have Nick come over or whatever. Like there's a process, but like, I don't know. I'm not really rushing. You know, we were, we were hoping to have a record out by the summer. I don't know if that's going to happen. We may have some singles or maybe a, a short like EP or maybe a couple songs. I don't know. But as, as for a full record, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to do that by the summertime. And, you know, because you come down to also vinyl takes forever to press like at least four months and you need at least three months to, to uh, push a record. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, at this point, if I finished a record right now, it could probably come out in June or July and we're not near where we need to be for a record. And so it's like, you know, if we, if I can get the record done, in May, it's not coming out till the fall or maybe even next, next spring, you know? So it's just, it's a, you you can't rush it. You can't like, just because it's summer, you got to put an album out. I'm sure we'll have a song or two out by then, but, uh, you know, it's for a record. You want to do it right. 
Um, so I get a little frustrated thinking about it because I wish it was happening faster, but, you know, and I get in my own head, you know, when I'm writing songs, it, it, it's a whole thing, but, uh, the short answer well, is things are going well. It's just kind of, it's kind of happening as it happens. Yeah. And you know what? Like, I think exactly what you got going on in your own head with the way that you work the songs out and everything, um, probably drives you crazy, but, um, I actually don't know if, if I've ever said this to you, but all honesty. So back in, oh, let me see. It was probably tw- the end of 2012. Did Pineapple Grenade come out in 2013, 14? June 2013. 2013. That would make sense. So, um, so I had really found you guys, I think it was probably the start of 2012. And um, at the time, Cam, uh, singer of my old band, had you know, discovered you guys right around there too. And we both, um, without having mentioned it, we're getting really into the stuff. And then in one practice, it, it came up and, uh, you know, we were really digging on cheers and, and daydreams, um, just playing those albums constantly. And, um, I, I think with who we were as, as a band, uh, one of the things that was happening a lot around 2013 um, and you probably remember picking up on this too, but music was really shifting a lot. Like um, EDM was a thing, like dubstep was still big. And there was like a lot of bands that were abandoning their sound. And, you know, I totally get a band that's sustained for a long time. You want to keep the sound fresh and you know you want to stay relevant, but, there's a proper way to balance that where you're still being true to the sound and, and, and true to what you guys are, you know, all about. And I think that it was a time period where all these rock bands felt a little bit lost. You know, there's this new territory and a lot of bands did these really made these really shitty decisions. Right. And I remember having a conversation with Cam about, I wonder what, like when, when you guys were starting to live stream um, Pineapple Grenade, we're like, I wonder where Ballyhoo is going to go with this because we love those albums so much and we're like, we hope that they don't like drastically abandon the sound and that there's not like this crazy dubstep breakdown in the middle of every song, you know? Um, and I think that you guys did a better job than any other band um, at that time, you know, making an album that was really relevant, but not abandoning in any way what listeners loved about you. Cause you know, you kicked it off with, she wants to destroy me. And I remember being like, this is the fucking best Ballyhoo song I've ever heard. And then there was also like, you know, no good where Rome produced that. And that had this, cool modern edge to it but it was still undeniably true to who you guys were and then you know when they told me um kind of referenced a little bit of that like mumford indie sound that was going on without yeah you know the whole record sounding that way and it, it fit the song so um i just remember at that time once you guys did that 
that was really inspiring to us as a band to say like, you know, I, I think kind of to, to teach, um, kind of taught us like how to toe the line, you know? And, um, yeah, so I guess that was my, my point is I just thought that you guys did such a great job during that weird time in music. I remember just feeling that, that like there was such an odd time. Um, and you guys were one of the only albums that, uh, I thought nailed it. So, uh, whatever you're doing, don't change it. <laughs> First off, don't come on my show and give me a bunch of fucking compliments because it makes me feel weird. Okay. <laughs> Second of all, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, we, uh, we've always been, um, you know, part of it, there, there's, there's many, uh, there's many reasons why the music is what it is uh, over the years by release. Um, part of it is being hardheaded, uh, because I got that punk rock kid in me. That's like, I'm not going to do this bullshit. Like I remember seeing, uh, you know, like hearing like the Lumineers and, um, the Mumford and Sons. I'm not saying the music is bullshit, but I'm, what I'm saying is for Ballyhoo to go, Oh, you know what? Let's dress like we're a 19th century, uh, fucking Irish <laughs> band playing in a pub. Somewhere. Yeah. People like, would be then, like, what, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Yeah. Donald, uh, Donald's playing on the fucking, uh, uh, steel fucking like a bucket and some Nick's playing some <laughs> blast weird upright beats on a bass. Yeah. Blast beats on a bucket. And like, you know, I and I get it, like the stomp rock stuff and like the big choruses and with the, all the people and the reverb and all that, you know, of monsters and men, like stuff like that. Like it just, I just wasn't, uh, I like I get, I understood why it was popular, but it was such a fad thing to me, just like dubstep was. And um, I knew some bands that were incorporating dubstep into their shit. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, this is terrible. Like, no, this is going to be over in six months and you're going to be, this is a song you're going to have in your catalog. Like, um, and you know, I didn't want to go and write a bunch of, try to write a bunch of pop songs. And like, there was a point like where, you know, with girls, girls was our real attempt at going in some sort of a direction that was more modern. Like, um, because we'd always been, people always tell us like, Oh, you guys are so nineties. I love it. You know, or, you know, you guys are so nineties. It's not, it's not what's happening today. That kind of thing. Radio doesn't want to play you, you know? Um, but, uh, so girls was our first really, it was our big step in the direction of like, you know, I'm going to do some production. Like I love doing this shit. I love finding cool sounds on a synth or like, you know, I, I produced that beat, uh, for Jameson and Ginger, like on an iPad on, in garage band, like years before that. And like, it was just, I just love doing that shit. So I was like, it'd be cool to incorporate it, you know, but the songs have to be sort of the, the songs themselves have to lend themselves to, to that, to that, to adding production layers and stuff. And so it was like there was a little more pop element. There was kind of some hip hop going on uh, in the in the grooves and things. Um, and uh, you know, we just kind of took the re- the pop reggae songs we did and just made them a little more modern sounding, I guess. Um, and it girls is one of our most popular records. <clears throat> um, yeah, but, but I felt that. Um, so I think the the big thing though is I don't feel like you felt forced. Or I don't think that there was a moment where you're like, I just want to follow the scene when you made that record. Like every one of those songs, um, I mean, we were doing what well, we, we were doing a lot of the Happiness Street uh, production and, and stuff when um, 
you know, you were finalizing things with that and showing me those songs. And um, I could tell that you just genuinely wanted to make this, this great, uh, I guess to showcase the pop elements that are always in those Valley Who songs and just kind of do an album that had a, a little bit of a different spin. And I feel like that album is so defined and, and um, it's, it's you guys though. You know what I mean? Like people can sniff that shit out if a band just does it because they think that it's going to sell more records yeah. or if they do it because they love it and that's what they want to do for that record. Like, you know, um, so I've been on kind of a Deftones kick, but um, th their latest album, Gore, is more of this uh, kind of like um, shoegazy, spacey album. It's not as heavy. There's uh, almost reference to like Depeche Mode and these these weird 80s bands, but I know that Chino has always loved that. That band has always sort of towed this line of like, you know, like putting this aggression in their songs, but it's, it's always embedded in this, these really kind of beautiful guitar riffs and tones and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, it was clear to me when I listened to that album, like, they were really passionate about doing a different kind of album, but it's still the Deftones. And, you know, I love Girls. Like, that's the Ballyhoo album now where if I'm having a party or we're kicking it at the pool or something like that, that is one of my favorite albums to just let, let go. Like, it's the perfect soundtrack for A Day at the Beach or whatever. But um, it's, it's very much like an album that you guys wanted to do that, you know, as opposed to feeling like your hand was forced or let's do this to make millions, you know, it's yeah. two very different things. Yeah, no, there's, there's a whole, like when you're, when you're trying to market to like pop radio and stuff like that, you need so much fucking money and so much influence. You need to be connected. Um, trying to get into the pop world is just insane. And like, I can't help but write like poppy hooks and shit and melodies. I just can't help it. I just do it. I like, I, I write hooks and melodies that I enjoy singing and listening to, you know? Um, that's a product of me listening to the radio and stuff probably as a kid a lot. Um, but, uh, you know, it it just kind of comes out the way it comes out. There's no, I, I don't try to force things. Um, and I, I love Girls. I love Pineapple Grenade. I love all the shit we've ever done, you know? Um, Detonate was completely different. It's a punk rock album, you know, it's, you know, stems from very dark source material, you know, so I was, I couldn't write pop shit, pop songs, you know, but yes, the songs are catchy, you know, they, even as dark pop punk songs, wherever they are, like they're catchy, but, um, that's just something I can't help. I'm not going to put out something I don't want to sing, you know, this just happens to be the type of shit that I like to sing. Uh, and people seem to like it and that's great, you know? Um, but, uh, <clears throat> when it comes to, uh, Oh, we're going to try to get on the radio with this. It's just, you got to let go of that because more often than not, you're not going to do that. You're not going to get on the radio. Um, there's so much that goes into it. There is luck. There's a lot of luck that goes into it. Um, yes, you can surround yourself with the right people and surround yourself with, uh, you know, good songwriters and, and things like that and good production people. There's no guarantee ever. Um, so forget about that and just do make the music you want to make Make it the best you can. Try to make it sound as good as you can. But uh, don't stress about 
this has to get on the radio or this needs to be on a Spotify playlist. Don't worry about that because people will find the music. If you speak from the heart and you're true about what you're doing, um, people are going to flock to it. You know, that's why pop singers and pop artists, if they don't keep cranking out hits, people forget about them. That's just how it works. It's pop music. It's the, the name of the shit is pop, popular. It's what's popular right now. And eventually it won't be popular. And you're still going to, people are going to appreciate those songs years later. But if you can't come with the same stuff to follow up with, you know, you're going to be forgotten. That's why. And that's why I feel like this whole reggae genre and stuff with like uh, this, this American reggae scene with stick figure and, and revolution and iration and all these bands, like that's why it's still, and it's, it's growing and it's still growing and it's still going to keep growing because it's under the radar. It hasn't been uh, in the, in the, uh, in the claws of, you know, pop culture and like, ah, now we're going to uh, like spin it around and just going to put it in a blender and, you know, feed it to the people and put it down the throats for, for a summer and then everybody's going to forget about it. That's what happened to Ska, in my opinion. It lasted maybe two years in the late 90s and then it was just on to the next one because it was so big. It burned so bright, you know, for, and it's just, you got you to gotta take your time with it. That's why with, and this goes with anything, take your time. It, it takes a lot of time to build something great. Don't worry about how long it's taking. Just keep, stay the course, keep doing what you're doing. People will flock to it. They'll find you, you know. Don't worry about money. Yeah. Don't worry about your own radio, nothing like that. It's crazy, too, how I don't, I, I don't know if people really fully understand. I don't fully understand. Um, I can only go by the circle of people I know who have had momentary success in the mainstream um, and then you talk to people who, you know, sustain careers, uh, in the music industry. And it seems like any story I've ever heard about the way that someone's song got on the radio or blew up, like, you know, so obviously we both know Ty, like Ty from used to be an alien ant farm. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know if you were there when he was telling us, but, um, when they did smooth criminal, um, I, I think I have this. The story will be 98% the way he said it. I, I might be slightly off, but he, if I remember correctly, he went in. I think they had like an extra week to kill in the studio. And Ty was friends with um, the dudes from Papa Roach um, from the same area, like b before Papa Roach got signed. And it was like, okay, they, they kind of joined together and said, if one, when one of us makes it, we'll you know, support the other band. Um, so that's how they got this deal. And the, their song Movies was supposed to be the first single. And uh, it was planned out to be that way. And they had like just an extra week or something to kill in the studio. And anyone that knows Ty, he's like always animated and, um, you know, doing these different covers and just kind of being fun about it. And I guess that that's what he did in the studio that week, went in and was just jamming Smooth Criminal. And they're like, oh, you know, let's lay it down. And then it was a, a total surprise to them that, like, no, not, we're leading with this now. Like, the thought was, hey, maybe that'll be, like, a bonus track or something on the record. And then they led with it, and the band didn't even know about it. Um, and, you, you know, I, I would argue, like, if you listen to their records, especially the follow-up album, Truant, that they had, um, there's, like, stuff in there where if that band was marketed differently – 
I think that they would be looked at as like almost on an incubus level because there's a lot of really innovative things and there's a lot of, of hooks and they kind of had these acoustic songs and Latin influenced songs. And I could just see um, that sound being able to, um, you know, evolve beyond that new metal era. But, you know, it's like, was it a blessing and a curse? At the same time, for those guys to have that label kind of do that behind their back, you know. Um, so it's just, when I hear stories like that, it's just so bizarre. I kind of feel like um, it, it's such a gamble and, and so random. Like, it, it, I, I have never been able to find any rhyme or reason behind how things, like, come to be. Um, so it's just it's just really bizarre the way that that industry seems to function. Yeah, those major labels, especially back in that era, man, they a lot, a lot of them didn't care for the artists, man. They didn't care about development. They just wanted to get hits, you know. So they weren't down to like uh, support, and you know, this, some were, some were. I, I remember Incubus's first thing that the EP they put out. Um, uh, it's like I wasn't a big fan of it. I had some weird songs. There's some like funk rock and stuff like that. Some weird shit. It wasn't what science was or what Make Yourself was. It was just the band had obviously grown, but but the label Epic was able to see that and then be like realize that man, these guys are really fucking talented. If we if we gave them some time to grow, they could do some great things. And it turned out to be true. You know, they put out some amazing shit. Um but then there were a lot of labels just didn't care. They just, they were just going for the hits, man. You know, and if you weren't producing, you got dropped. And sometimes they wouldn't give you the record back. Like you would just, it just you couldn't take it back and try to sell it on your own. It's like they still owned it, but they would shelve it. You know, it's like it was a lot of shitty deals back then. Yeah, I've heard there was so much of that. I feel like in the early two thousands, the you know kind of hey, we're selling this label, and we're you know you're gonna get moved over here, but you know we're shelving this record because you know we don't hear the hit that we want or, you know, whatever. And that's just the idea of shelving uh, a work of art like that. That's just, that sucks. Like it, that, that sits, it just doesn't sit right with me. I can't imagine being in that position where like you're a band that, you know, you felt like you made this strong record and, you know, the label shelves it on you. I mean, that, well, when the, that's really shitty. When the when the industry's freaking out over Napster and, and like trying to figure out what to do, people are getting fired left and right. So like when you're when you're A and R guy and the other people that actually found you and actually cared about you in the first place to sign you and actually cared about the music and, and knew the band and became homies with them, when they get fired, you get these you're left to these other people that have no idea who you are. You know, it's like it's completely cold and different, you know, like the people that actually cared are getting fired. And so now you're just left with like, you're, you're just another one. You know what I mean? You're just a statistic in the, in the system. Um, you know, and that, that's the problem. If you, if people don't care, it, it's, you know, you, nothing's going to, nothing good will come of it. Yeah. It was, uh, definitely crazy times with the whole Napster thing. Um, and who would have ever thought that, uh, going back to Incubus for a second, like Fungus Among Us, like you listen to that record, uh, like to be able to see that this band is going to make an, an album like Morning View, you know, like I, you just, I, someone w was really, uh, had a good ear to see that potential. 
um, in that band, and I'm glad that they glad they did. But yeah, absolutely, um, man. Um, so yeah, so yeah. but um, go ahead, dude. No, I was gonna say uh, we should wrap this up, but I wanna I wanna uh, get it out there about your um, Meritage Entertainment and your drum videos on Instagram. I want you to tell people about that. Yeah, yeah, dude. Um, so yeah, Meritage is a it's my wedding company. Um, I run it with my wife Liz, and um, you know, New England based. We're we're doing a little bit of expansion. But uh, right now we have 10 DJs. Um, we offer uplighting as well. We have a second um, branch that's um, it's ever changing, but we uh, work with engineers to, we've developed our own uplights. It's called Ambient Force. And that's something that we're always adapting. Um, it's definitely a challenge um, to be a startup for something like that, but we, um, Definitely locally for for the couples that are booking us, they're getting a pretty unique lighting experience, and it looks awesome. Uh, yeah, thanks, man. And then DJ wise, one of the things that's really common, I would imagine it's common in in Maryland too, but in the New England area, um, you get two extremes, right? You have like the DJs that come directly out of the club. And they kind of have like this Jersey Shore kind of edge about them where, um, you know, there's a lot more EDM and remixes at, at the wedding than, you know, the common, uh, your common family might want. And then there's, you know, these constant pumped up uh, wrestling arena style, like announcements always shouting on the mic. Um, or you get this extreme of like the old school, um, just very basic cookie cutter wedding DJ that um, some of them are really cheesy. Sometimes they want to do games and like here's seven line dances and then five pitbull songs in a row. Right. <laughs> but um, you know, they, a lot of the times it's not, there isn't an art form there. They're just like, you know, play on this song and then play on the next one. And um, it, it's just very basic. Like you might as well just have a Spotify playlist going um, and, what we're doing is really focusing on the art form of DJing. So we're trying to solve a couple pro problems. One, I know a lot of couples are really concerned about uh, a cheesy wedding DJ uh, ruining their day. Because essentially, one of the things that everyone at your wedding would remember in a bad way is like, oh, I remember we wanted to be on the dance floor, but there was that DJ that wouldn't stop making jokes and just unnecessarily inserting himself on the microphone, you know? Um, and it was just like one cheesy song after the next. So we want to avoid all that cliche stuff and, and be the solution there. But we're also trying to make sure the art form um, of DJing enters the wedding world in, in on kind of a different level, like, you know, mixing music and, kind of cleverly weaving between different genres and generations. Cause you have, um, at most weddings, at least there's a range in, in ages, right? So, um, what your great uncle likes is not, it's probably not the exact same thing that, um, the bridesmaids are wanting to hear. So having someone that knows how to navigate that and, you know, play a variety of music that's include like, 
sends this message of musical inclusiveness, but is done in an effective way because you can't go from like, you know, if you don't know how to do this, uh, you're going to jump from, I don't know, Stevie Wonder to um, Drake to ACDC to Calvin Harris. And it's like, what, what the fuck is going on? Like, this is so abrupt, you know? But um, having a DJ that can cleverly connect things and say like, oh, Bruno Mars, he's modern, but there's a lot of references to the 70s and, and early 80s in the music. So that's a nice way to bridge the gap. Or, you know, this 90s hip-hop song is sampling this uh, 60s Motown song. So like when that sample part comes on, boom, why don't I jump back into the original version? And then like beat mixing, playing with lyrical things, like we, we try to make it a, a, a performance, you know, and an experience for everyone on the dance floor. And I don't think a lot of people are used to that. So when they see it at a wedding, it keeps the floor packed with all ages, but it's exciting for them because they're, not just dancing like, oh, I know the song, but after they pick up on a few of these cool tricks, they're, they're actively listening um, in a more excited way than, you know, you typically would because they want to hear what the DJ is doing to, you know, play with that experience. Oh, did you hear this wordplay thing or, you know, this really cool transition? And it, it's exciting. So that's really what we're all about. And I think that's what's a little bit different. So you'll see soon enough, Howie. I can't wait, man. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. And uh, awesome. one of the things I love, too, is um, you get a lot of musicians that call. Usually it's the, it's the groom, right? And they immediately feel like they're just not going to be a part like of the conversation. They're just going to let their fiancé talk, and they think that there's going to be nothing for them at their wedding because – they're usually like, oh, I listen to rock stuff or I listen to stuff that you wouldn't know. You won't hear it at the, at the wedding. And whether it's like, you know, indie, Mac DeMarco, Kurt Vile kind of stuff, or maybe they like, um, I got this one last week, uh, this couple that had gone to see Revolution a bunch of times. And they genuinely did not think I would have any idea who that was. By the way, they, they're Valley Who fans too. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so... I did name drop you. I'm like, oh, Howie's my buddy. And, um, the, but the fact that like, I was like, you know, cocktail hour, that's a really great time to do all of that reggae kind of stuff and put people in this great mood, but not take away from the dance floor. So, um, I think having a company where most of the guys are musicians too, it's like, you know, it's too bad that people have thought for years that their wedding has to be just this cookie cutter thing. Yeah. And it's exciting for me to to change the possibilities in, in that industry. So we'll see uh, how how much further we can send that message, you know. That's great, man. Yeah, um, you raise a good point about <clears throat> musicians being like the, the people doing this. Because Donald, my, my brother, the drummer in Ballyhoo, he... Uh, <clears throat> He keeps talking about uh, how he would love to open his own music venue because he, he's like, he, he is absolutely certain it would be the best venue that a band could ever play because he knows exactly what not to do and all the things to do properly. Like, you know what I mean? Because you've been there, you've experienced it, you've been around, you know what's going to work and what's not. So it's like some people like you going in there 
and having the approach that you have, um, you've already done the research basically, you know, over the years and you just know what's up and you're not like some, some bullshit, <clears throat> like you said, cookie cutter DJ, um, that's just going to you know play the hits and then go home and be all like, blah, 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 you know, um, <laughs> that's the voice right there. That's dude. the voice. That's- a million people just cringed because I know you have a million listeners. There's every a time. million Probably people listening to this right now. <laughs> All at once, a million people cringed when you did that. Um, <laughs> they're like, they're but, like, yeah, yeah, I went to that wedding. I went to that wedding. <laughs> oh, man. I bet he would be great at that, dude. I think that um, that's the thing, right, is there's so many people that jump in the industries because they're like, this is lucrative. There's or, money in that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not and, like, oh, I could actually be good at that. It's like, oh, no, I'm, I could make money in that. Right, and many of them figure out how to survive and kind of get by. And I, I think that these, like, unregulated industries, um, same thing with, like, a lot of bars, but I feel like with bars, the overhead will catch up to you. So, you in like, you know, there, there's a little bit more of, regulations going on with like, you know, giving people food and drinks and things like that. But, um, kind of similar. Like, I I feel like things like that, there's people that can kind of coast by and there's this different level of acceptance of, well, it was like good enough, you know? And I always encourage anyone that's had this, any sort of unique experience, like know, use Donald for an example to get someone like him on um, doing something like that and understanding from the other side what it's like. Like there's so much value behind that. There's so much purpose that is served and it goes beyond just that one company or that one venue because you you end up spreading this culture that um, people – respect and you know because there's competition they have to raise the bar to survive so um it's a good thing all around you just you just create more options and more quality within that industry and uh, i think that's an awesome thing anytime someone can do something like that yeah you can be ahead of the curve and you can set new standards you know and influence um it's huge you know when you can when you can go in with the knowledge after already have done the R and D, you know, years before, and apply what you've learned to to this thing that you're trying to do, you know, uh, you obviously have a good handle on it. You guys are very popular up there. You guys, I remember last year you were like, oh yeah, my 2020 is booked. You know, like this is like beginning of last year. <laughs> like we were doing this. And you're telling Dude, me, it's, it's it's nuts. It, it it really is crazy, man. And um, the the thing that's been tough is so you know, March and April, those couples have had to move their wedding dates. And, you know, obviously I have honored that. And, you know, we feel so bad for all of those couples. So we've done, you know, in a lot of of cases, I've like waived things contractually where like, you know, they would owe a a balance and then it would have to be a rebooking. But like, you know, I'm not a dick. I, I feel so bad for these people. So, you know, you, I go into it uh, empathetically and and, in a caring way. And um, all these couples have been so relieved because luckily we've been able to uh, fairly easily uh, transition them to new dates. Sometimes it's had to be a different DJ, but I'm so strict on like, 
who's going to work for the company. It's never been like, just get as many people as you can. Like it's intentionally a more intimate team because we want that consistency. But um, now 2021 and late 2020, it's so insane, man. Like there is nothing because these people had to book up the, those few dates, you know, where like, Oh, that one random Sunday in November wasn't booked. So it's going to be so busy for that chunk of time, which I I imagine that's probably going to be a big thing going on with like a lot of concerts because I think there's going to be so much rescheduling. And I hope that when the CDC and the government says like, okay, we're, we're safe. I really am hoping that there's this new appreciation for like getting out, living, appreciating like being in a concert or being together with people on this different level and i think it's going to do amazing things for these industries but i think just for people that experience it there's going to be this um great like resurgence of just wanting to celebrate you know so yeah, i'm excited like a, for that it's gonna be like a renaissance period man just like people it's gonna be awesome yeah people just we're gonna come back so hard and just you know, the, the dynamic, the dynamic of like what's happening right now as to what it was and to what it will be once again, it's just going to be like, it's so vast, you know, that that's just the difference. And, um, it, there's this, there's going to be this longing for this by the time it, we're back to it and people are going to appreciate it so much, you know? Um, so yeah, the fall and like 2021 are going to be fucking wild as long as there's none of, no more of this bullshit happening. but Yeah, yeah, right. You guys have to throw a huge, like, I know you do that Halloween show, but um, if, like, the coast is clear at some point uh, early enough in the summer, you should totally do, like, the Ballyhoo Beach Party or just some massive thing. We're going to do something. You guys sell out the fuck out of that. Yeah, we're going to do something. We're going to do something crazy. I, I, like... I can't wait for the day where we can announce something like that, but let's just get through this now, you know? Um, <clears throat> lastly, your, uh, your Instagram page, um, you're, uh, you're doing these cool drum covers and you're really creative with your, uh, your camera angles and your, the effects and stuff that you're doing and your cuts. I appreciate it. It's nice. Thanks dude. Um, yeah, but I don't even know what my, I think my Instagram is just under my name. Um, yeah, I, think it's I don't your know name. if there's, um, Yeah any underscores or anything, but yeah, I, uh, that's a, that's a cool thing. I didn't realize, um, I was late to the game, but I really just do it for, um, like if I go for chunks of time without being able to play, there's that, there's forever that like thirst to be creative and making music. So like in those moments where, um, you know, like your schedule is slammed and Rob's we're all busy. So like, you know, when they, when we can't do the Callisto thing or if there's other projects that are kind of on pause, I'm like, it's nice to, to have that and get creative, do these covers. So it's, uh, it's mainly for my sanity. I have a lot of fun doing it, but I'm learning too that like any musicians that listen to this do not underestimate, um, how great, uh, of an opportunity we have to like network in this way, because think of it this way. Like if you were to like, okay, so if you're going to cover someone like, I don't know, trippy red or like some huge 
trap artist right now. Um, it's possible that, you know, Black Bear is going to uh, share your, your cover, but, um, you know, those, those guys probably get tagged in so many things. But, like, especially if you have people, uh, there's artists that you admire that are contactable, you know, like they're not um, selling out arenas, but, you know, maybe they're selling out tours and stuff. Like, you never know. You always hear about bands that, like, Maybe Circus Survive or Anthony Green. I don't know. I'm just giving examples. Like maybe Anthony Green is going to want to do some new project and he is looking for a unique bass player for that. Well, artists on that kind of a level, a lot of the time, they're going to watch those covers you're doing because they put, that's their art, that's their baby. They put everything into it. And for, for you to take the time to thoughtfully put something back out there, like, I guess don't underestimate how much of an impact that can make. Like, you know, do it for yourself, do it for your enjoyment, but that's another great way to be networking and, you know, build opportunities for yourself too. And I didn't realize how, how true that was until I started putting the stuff out and like the, the drummer from the use commented on my cover of, uh, what did I do? A box full of sharp objects. And, um, I did a Seosin cover and Cove, the, the, second singer in that band um you know put a comment there too and a couple of the circus survive guys and i was like well didn't expect that that was pretty fucking cool you yeah, know that's neat man i've been trying to tag green day for a fucking year and they still want to <laughs> dude i'm always like trying to comment on that too and if i see an opportunity it's like i'm throwing that out there i i tried once in the the valley hooligans to get everyone to you know tag them and shit and um, I, I think it worked a little bit. I, I wish that it, um, uh, I was more effective in knowing how to get that community to ah, it's all right, come man. together all at once. I but, don't want to, uh, I don't want to spam the dude. Billy Jorimson's a busy guy, you know? Yeah. Know. But, um, dude, if ever there's like, I see some of the bands that they take out with them and, um, no disrespect, like, uh, bands are great, but there's like not a better fit in the world. Like there's so many people that, would go to see Green Day, right? And you guys would open up and they would be so fucking psyched out of their mind. Like, I just think about if I didn't know who you guys were and being a Green Day fan, if I went, you would be one of those opening acts where, you know, a lot of people go in to see the opening act and it's like, like huh, what are we going to get? I would have been fucking moved. Like, that fucking band was perfect for opening it up, you know? Play all their punk um, shit. It'd be great. It'd be great. You know their fans would eat that up. So I dream, I daydream one day, about it all Howie, the time. One day. It's all good. Um, well, I'm almost out of tape here. So, uh, that was a fun conversation, bro. Yeah, dude. Always good talking to you. Sorry. Uh, if I went on a tangent, but, uh, um, no, this is yeah. great. This is awesome. It's like almost two hours of shit here. This is awesome. <laughs> well, miss hanging with you. Hopefully we'll get to hang out soon and, um, I'll, I'll keep in touch with you. Hang in there. Enjoy the time with the family. And, um, yeah, th this was fun. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Yeah. Same to you, man. I'm, uh, stoked on, on the new baby and everything. And he's, he's so damn cute. And, uh, I'm, I'm sure Liz is in love and, um, it, it's great, man. It's good to see. Yeah. Yeah. He's the best. So and, thanks uh, again, Howie. I, yeah. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Thank you for coming down and doing my wedding in September too. It's going to be great. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm so honored, man. 
I'm so honored. We'll have a great time. <laughs> All right, dude. We'll uh, have a great day. And uh, tell Liz, I said, I said, what's up? And uh, talk to you soon, man. For sure, dude. See ya. Later. There you have it. <clears throat> James Donano from Callisto. Thanks a lot for coming on, buddy. It was great to have you. For, uh, finally, we've been talking about it for a while. So, uh, Hit up uh, Meritage Entertainment. M-E-R-I-T-A-G-E. Entertainment. Um, they do amazing work. Check out their uplights. They got a whole website. They make great videos. They, they just... Just a full service, man. Just another way. Just like the modern wedding DJ service, man. It's just like really good stuff. Uh, he's coming down to do my wedding in the fall. I couldn't be more happy to have him. And uh, yeah, Ambient Force, their uplight service. Uh, check out Ambient Force. Very, very cool lights. And uh, Callisto, more stuff on the way. We're working on stuff. So yeah. Uh, once again, thank you very much for listening. Um, check out the Ballyhoo stream. On Thursday night, 26th, at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Facebook. Uh, You'll see all the info on the uh, socials there. Uh, DM me some song requests. Uh, If you'd like to support the channel, go to talesfromthegreenroom.com. Hit the support the podcast button. Um, And, uh, yeah. I guess I'll talk to you soon. You guys stay vigilant, stay healthy. Uh, Yeah, Tales from the Green Room.